Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking to two of my favorite retired librarians, Minetta and Grace. So Minetta has grown children, grandkids, she loves books, and she's also an incredible storyteller. Like, she gets invited to go places and tell stories. She's that good. She has an incredible knowledge of all kinds of books for all different occasions. I'll ask her, hey, what's a book for blank? And she'll send me like 10 titles. She's awesome. Now, Grace has grown children, loves books, and a detail you need to know, she watches my boys on Thursdays, and y'all, they love Grace. In fact, it was one of the hardest things for Warren about going to kindergarten, because he'd miss his days with this Grace. (laughs) So tonight at dinner, my family asked who was going to be on the podcast this week, and I said, well, we're talking about books, and Warren said, ooh, Miss Grace would be the perfect person for this topic. So it's glad I asked her to do this. So the Laster brothers are excited about this one, and I hope you enjoy it too. Okay, so Minetta, let's start with you. Personally, what do you love about books and reading? I can't remember a time when reading wasn't a part of my life. And if you could see my shoes right now, it says, I have lived a thousand lives. Because (laughs) reading reading takes you away. It takes you out of your own space into a totally different space. And so you learn and experience and feel so much through reading and books. Yeah. What about you, Grace? Pretty much the same thing. I think that um, I've enjoyed the idea of of books for a long time. Yeah. And just the feel and the smell of a book uh-huh. is enjoyable. But yes, taking you out of yourself into a different place yeah. and a different condition of life uh-huh. or, um, you know, just it takes you away from your problems, really. Yeah. It's like a mental break. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So... How early do you think you can start reading with kids and and tell tell me why you would say that age? Well, experts are unanimous in stating that from the time babies can hear a voice, that's uh-huh. when you start reading to them. And it's well known in my family <laughs> that on the day of their birth, my children heard stories from the very beginning. Really? Like books, like you read? Well, I was actually telling them stories at the time, but then we transitioned very quickly into books. But really, from day one, you can read to your child. Yeah. Why do you think that's important? Like, I assume you have the same opinion, or do you have a different opinion? I do have the same opinion. I'm not sure I started that early, (laughs) but you know, they say that you can, babies can hear music Uh in, in utero, yeah. In utero, yes. And so maybe even especially if you have older children, you could be reading to them and that baby is going to hear the tone of your voice mm-hmm. and the rhythm and all that uh, would help them. But yes, it definitely when they're infants, I think. And why is that? Like, Because well, when you're in it, I'll just, I just remember, I, I have an education background, and I remember hearing this and then having Warren and like, Showing him, like, board books and being like, what is this doing? It's the very foundation of language learning. 
because that cuddle time, you know, when they're sitting right next to you and you're sharing a book, like you start with those little cloth books and it's okay for them to eat it, you know? <laughs> yeah. The cloth they're going to try, they're gonna try yeah. to. The cloth books, the board books, they all go right into that. But it's, again, like Grace said, it's the rhythm of your words. It's just opening them up to language. Uh-huh. And it starts from the very beginning. And, you know, you start pointing out, even as babies, you start pointing out colors look at the red block, yeah. see the blue car. I mean, all of that is building vocabulary also. Yeah. So it's very important. Yeah. I, I do remember in the moment, you kind of wonder, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Is anything registering? But then as Warren got older, I remember like seeing, oh, like he knows that word from mm-hmm. that book that we've read over and over and over again. And repetition you know? is important. Why is repetition important? Just the memory thing or? Yes, a memory is very important in all aspects of life, I uh-huh. think, in education. But the the repetition helps them to remember things. I mean, thinking about Warren, uh-huh. uh, I can remember him going and looking at books and eventually he picked it up yeah. and he could read that whole book. Yeah. You, you know, just simple things like that. But yeah. He would sit. He sat down one day and got Harris next to him, and uh-huh. he read Harris this book. Yeah, not and because was, he could read, but because, right, because he was he memorized. memorized it. Yeah, yes. But that is reading. Yeah. yeah, it is. And the confidence built in that probably meant a lot. And just you know, like the nursery rhymes that we repeat over and over—that's part of memorization. You know, just that they can very quickly pick up those nursery rhymes mm-hmm. and start repeating them with you. Yeah. So when they're a tiny baby. You would say the cloth books mm-hmm. or the plastic. Yeah. If, as long as they don't have the edge to them. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you can find them plastic or or the board books. Uh-huh. And they also like books that have like crinkly things yeah. and, and uh, feely things on them. That's some of, of my grandson's favorite things right now right. is to touch and feel the books. Right. And anything that they can manipulate, too. I mean, my own children, we wore out three copies of this one book where you put the letter in the mailbox and it went to the airplane, you know, and they would manipulate that through the whole book. And yeah. they love that. Yeah. That also develops other parts of your body, like mm-hmm. your hand coordination, yeah. hand coordination. And mm-hmm. So I think all of that works together yeah. to uh, help develop that brain. Yeah. How early do you think Bible stories are? Because with a tiny baby, like, they're not tracking Bible stories. Like, what would you say about that? How early? At least by two, I would think. 18 months, two, I early. Would think so just the idea that Jesus loves you, you know, uh-huh. that story of Jesus bringing the children yeah. to him. I think that uh, they get that idea mm-hmm. yeah. that, of love, and that's important. And yeah. even a two-year-old understands mm-hmm. that. Right. right. And there's so many great now um, Bible books or Bibles for children. I mean, wonderful. Yeah. And then books about, um, you know, each like different Bible characters. You know, there's a book on Joseph or Mary yeah. or whoever. So you can really start laying that foundation very early. Yeah. 
And I know even right now, my little two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, he'll get his little illustrated Bible yes. book, and he'll start yes. pointing, find baby Jesus, and he can find yeah. all the characters. So yeah. that comes very quickly. Yeah. Don't be discouraged if it's like, my child is not like paying attention. or no. It's like the little tidbits are good. It all fits together. Right. It does. Yeah. Okay. How old do you think reading with your children Like, is there a time where it's like, okay, that doesn't need to happen anymore? My experience was when I was doing the library that I would bring home the books on the blue bonnet list, and I would be reading them. And so one day I Because you you were like, I need to know these books that I'm putting in my library. Okay. Exactly. So I thought, hey, this is an interesting book. Abby might enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Well, Abby must have been... Second or third grade, mm-hmm. but Michael by then was in junior high, right? And he would sit down, and the two of them would listen to me read this book. No way! And, and so it just—it didn't go much beyond that for Michael, right? It was fun to have him there, right? In fact, he told me not long ago that he picked that book up again and reread it. So, you know, it sticks with him. It I mean, does. He's in his late thirties, and he's he remembers still, you reading that to him. Yeah. And I think about reading aloud with them or whatever, it kind of transitions into what they're reading. Then their school assignments, you can kind of keep up with them, you know, through that way. Yeah. What, what's interesting them now that they're in high school? You may not actually read with them, but you can have a discussion yeah. with books. Or as you're reading something like Grace said, like, oh, gosh, I read this really good book the other day. You know, it's about, you know, whatever. I think yeah, you know, just share something from it. Yeah, you know, I remember my granddad gave us a book every year for Christmas, each of the grandkids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in college, like, at, and he would go to the bookstore and pick out books for each of us and thought books that he thought we would like and gave them to us. And I, you know, it's like, and I still have those books. They mean a lot to me. Yeah, I had an aunt that did the same thing, and I, I read all those books that she gave us, and I still have some of them. They're yeah. falling apart. Yeah. But one of them was Heidi, and I, that book just, you know, the cover fell off, but I still have it. Yeah. Because she'd sign them. Yeah. Which was neat, because right. I remembered who it was from. So that's a good thing. Speaking of how old you should be, um, Michael does readings with friends around him, and they did one called The Canticle of Leibowitz, uh-huh. which is kind of a science fiction. And uh, so I decided I wanted to read it, too, except I decided I'd rather listen to it than read it. So uh-huh. I got an Audible book, uh, this, the copy of it, and uh, we're going to read it or listen to it on the way up to when we meet them at yeah. Christmas. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. That's a sweet connection. It's like to connect with your He's in his 30s. Yeah. To connect 30s, yeah. with your late 30s son by like, hey, what are you reading? And I'll read it. And it might be a book that you wouldn't have picked out on your own, but, you know, it's a connection point. And that's those connections again. That started yeah. That started long, long ago. Yeah. That didn't just happen when he hit 30. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. So right now, and you gave Warren the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. So we started reading like probably a month ago, we started reading that series with Warren, my first grader. And it is so fun. It is so fun to like read this book that I, of course, know. 
And he was like, Aslan died. Like it was just, it's a new story to him, you know? And it was, it's really sweet. You read it at night. I love that. Okay. So give me some ideas for helping a child get excited about reading. I think you have to start where their interests are, like going back to your boys, because they're the ones I remember the best right now. Right. Uh, construction trucks. Yeah. Construction vehicles were very, they were very interested. <laughs> so yeah. you, you go and you find Bob the Builder books yeah. and read those to them. Yeah. And I think they can identify with it because they play with that kind of thing. Right. So get them excited about that. So look at the things that get them excited. And then do y'all, I mean, y'all, how do y'all know of the books, though? Do you just Google search or you know a lot of them in your repertoire because you're experienced? But Well, a lot of that. And then I try to keep up with some of the new things. Now there's so much coming out. But um, the Texas Library Association has wonderful lists, like Grace referred to the Blue Bonnet list. Uh, they're just wonderful, a good starting point. But then, like, like you say, just finding their interest. And, you know, I roam the bookstores. <laughs> Yeah. And I take my phone with me and I'll take, you know, pictures of different titles of books yeah. uh, that I want to investigate a bit further. And then, you know, just like you say, you do Google and read. And you do have to be very careful. I will say that although I do not believe in censorship, I believe that there can be worth in almost everything, but there is an appropriate time and an appropriate place, and there's a time for parents to step in and say, not now, right? or we right. will discuss this. Because even though a child might be a fantastic reader, yeah. they, you could put anything down in front of them, and they could read it fluently. But they don't have the life experience to understand and to process that, right? which is very important. So as your kids get start reading chapter books and are really great readers, how do you – are you reading all the things? that Like how do you – what would you say? Well, I think well, during my working experience, it was a lot going to magaz- uh, journals and all and reviewing them. And, and you can find reviews like Amazon has uh-huh. reviews of books and that kind of thing that um, newspapers have reviews – yeah. So you really have to find out about authors as well, because uh, there's some authors that are better at keeping it within a certain age range mm-hmm. as far as the way, what they, the content. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at Goodreads is another website you yes. could go to that yeah. has recommendations and reviews and all that you work with to find out things or ask a librarian. I know. There we go. Ask a librarian. So I feel like over – there are times in – and I, you know, obviously my boys aren't like – I don't have loads of experience. But there are times where my boys were just not as interested in reading. Like – and it really, bo- you know, early, it really bothered me. Like, I'm doing something wrong here. <laughs> My mom would be so disappointed in me. <laughs> and um, and then I just think it kind of ebbs and flows. Like, do you all see that too with the kids? It's like. I think it does. Uh, one of my college professors when I was in school for this degree mentioned that there are steps that you go through as a reader. Uh-huh. And when you get to that last step, which is the delight of reading, mm-hmm. then you want to read everything. 
And she says, that can come at any point in your life. And I'll tell you, for me, I was not a real strong reader when I was in school, grade school. Yeah. And I didn't really hit that point until I got to a master's degree, you know, some 40 years later. Yeah. So uh, I don't think you have to worry about it as long as you've introduced the idea of reading and they see you reading. Uh I think that's very important. They will pick it up themselves because all three of my children have seen their mom and dad read all their lives. Right. So they are readers. Yeah. And uh, I think that's important. But I think there's one thing, and I don't know if Manetta will agree with this, (laughs) about reading that I I will disagree with the professionals. They Mm -hmm. say boys aren't readers, which is not true. They don't read a lot of literature, fiction. But they read a tremendous amount of nonfiction, mm-hmm. and that, to me, is as much reading as reading fiction. Yeah, or. absolutely. One of my favorite ads, I think it came from ALA a few years ago, it shows this dad sitting on the couch, and he's obviously a biker. You know, he's got the leather, the chains, the tats. His little kid is sitting right beside him, and he's reading a motorcycle repair book to him. Oh. I've, I have loved that ad so much yeah. because I think that's what it's all about. It's that connection. Yeah. And um, so it doesn't really matter what you read, but that you read. And, and like Grace said, it's, you know, there are going to be times when they're going to want to read, and then there are times when, nah, that's not my thing today, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. But the main thing is to have books available to them. You know, have books around and, you know, have it available, Right. you know. Do your kids love reading too, Mineta, as adults? Yes, they do. Well, I have two readers and one (laughs) (laughs) non-reader. But, and interestingly enough, the non-reader, one of his skills is literary arts, though. I mean, you know, he even writes some poetry. Um, But, you know, some... And that sometimes that carries over, and sometimes it doesn't as much. Yeah. But he makes sure he reads to his children, mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorite things is watching him read because he knows it's important. Yeah. But yeah. we talked a while ago about giving gifts, books as gifts. I mean, everybody knows that they're going <laughs> to reach down in their birthday and their Christmas sack, and there's going to be books in there. Right. We talked. You talked briefly about this. A difference. Have you noticed a difference between? Reading for boys and girls. I have, and I think there is a difference. No matter how much society wants to tell us that we're all the same. Yeah. Boys and girls have different uh, interests. Your interests, yeah. And they they might cross over. Yeah. And that's only natural, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think there is a difference. And I think also attention span, at least in in my experience for most part, but that, you know, again, that's just an age thing, whatever is yeah. age appropriate. Yeah. Did your kids, like, when they were little, like, boys just have, it feels like so much more energy and active and busy. And, you know, did you notice that as much, like, that Abby would be more likely to sit and mm-hmm. cuddle and read or no? not Actually, my family is the other way around. Oh, really? Because I, Abby actually was my most active child. Oh. The boys took after their dad. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they've they got this intellectual thing going that their mother doesn't have. And they, I would disagree they, with that. They, the oldest one, Andy, would go into his room, and it 
didn't do any good to punish him by putting him in his room because he'd just pick up a book and read, and he'd have fun doing and that. And he was happy as can be. That's, That's true. That's so funny. Yeah, but I, th- I think so. The boys are just more active, and like I said, for mine, a little shorter attention span for some things. Yeah. Now, I will go back to your children. Warren uh-huh. is still in that reading mode, I think. Yeah. Harris right now isn't so interested no. And I asked him the other day if he wanted to read something, and he was busy playing a game on my Kindle. So yeah. he wasn't the least bit interested in reading. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Yeah, Harris is, it just, it's not, he might have attention for like one book. And, you know, Ben Warren would sit there for, I mean, he'll sit there and we'll read Narnia for. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes, but that's also just personalities. I, I and don't agree. be discouraged, you know? That's like, right. We're don't all be different. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Do you ever think it should be forced? I don't think that usually works. <laughs> no, I, I think that makes children just not want to do it yeah. if, if you make them do it. Yeah. You know, we make them do so many things. This this is important, this mm-hmm. reading is, and to force them and cause them not to like it, I think, would be more damaging than helping. Yeah. I think just, you know, again, just making sure that they have access to books and and point out to them that there is time when they are going to have to read. Yeah. Not necessarily a fiction book, but there will be points where you're going to have to read this for school or for whatever, and so you have those um, things available to them to help them. Yeah. But I don't think... You must sit down and read for X number of minutes, you know. Although a lot of times that's part of their schoolwork. It so is. and and that's yeah. and that's important. And that's what I'm saying. You point out to them that this is for their good, this mm-hmm. is to help them. But just to make them sit down and read just to read, no. Um, tell me about your favorite places to find books. Like resources, whether the yeah, so talk me through, this might sound silly, but, like, everyone should have access to a public library, right? Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's very easy to do. You just go to your, you just, talk through how you do this. Yeah. Just you just for, go to your library. You have your... Your city library. Your city library. Yeah. You have your address, which shows that you are... A resident. A resident yeah. of that city. Um, it's free. Yeah. Best deal in town yes. because yes. you have not only access to all the books, you have movies, you have books on, I still say tape, but on CD. <laughs> audio, you, have, you have music available. I mean, you walk across the street here to the Richardson Library and there are albums there yeah. for you to, to browse through. Um, and then, of course, we have online, I mean, through the Richardson Pup. Plano, wherever you are in this area, through their library, you have books that you download onto your Kindle. So there's really no excuse not to have books available because they're free. Yeah. And you can take your kids and spend as long as you want there. And they're wonderful programs, too. Great. Even babysit programs where you bring the mom brings the baby in, and they have books out for them. And then there's a librarian who or a volunteer who reads a book mm-hmm. or maybe does a puppet show. Yeah. So very engaging. Yeah. Activities. And I also think there's something sweet about your kids hearing someone else read too. I, I feel like sometimes my boys will be really like, "Oh, someone else wants to read a book to me." Yes, I, you know. 
Um, and that's some, you know, those reading times can be really great. And, and I have and, to jump in here, too, as a storyteller and say, sometimes put the book away and tell a story because mm-hmm. imagination is so important. And so whatever story I'm telling, everyone that's listening is going to have a different image in their mind of what yeah. that person or that character looks like. And I think that's that's important too. Yeah. So, and if you don't know a fairy tale or a folk tale, <laughs> you know, go to the library, read it, and you don't, you know, you don't have to do it exactly the way it's written down. Yeah. You know the basics, but also tell your family stories. Yes. Family stories are yes. so important. I cannot emphasize that enough too. Um, you know, every birthday we did whatever. You know, I have recently come and started telling some personal stories. It's taken me a long time to get to that point. Mm. But one of my stories that I tell is my view from the front pew. And so it's people who have not heard about some of this before, they will have different visions of what I'm describing in a 1950s Baptist church in a very (laughs) small town. Yeah, yeah. Man, those personal stories... So it's like if you're somewhere and you need to kind of settle your kids down or have some downtime but you don't have a book, think of a story from when you were a child. My boys love those. And well, tell me that story again of when you got in trouble in high school. Like they it's like they love that one. And it's like you know just so telling and it's a legacy thing too. It's so yeah, that is such a such a great point. Any other resources? You mentioned Goodreads. That's a great idea. Goodreads for finding great children's books. Yeah. And then you can just Google, like, you know, the 15 best science books of the year, the 15 best social studies books of the year, yeah. the 15 best books of um, books written by African Americans in a certain year. Mm-hmm. And that's another point. This is also books are a great avenue to opening up to other cultures perspectives and perspectives and experiences. And, yeah. and uh, I would encourage people to um, have a variety of authors from different cultures, too, and illustrators. opens yeah. up a lot of um, great conversations. Right. And going to the Library Association websites is uh, a good way. Like we talked about the Blue Bonnet list, but TLA, Texas Library Association, also has one called Two by Two List, which is geared towards those preschool children. Really? So, okay. So uh, there's a whole t- book list of 20 books that they choose every year, and they archive the list so you can go back and find books from other years. Yeah. And they also have a Lone Star list, which is for teenagers. Okay. And so uh, ALA, American Library Association, also has these book lists. Okay. You know, the Newberry books and their honor books, Newberry Awards for the best written book. Yeah. The Caldecott book uh, award Coretta is Scott for King. The, yeah. the best illustrated book. Okay. And, and the Coretta Scott King book. There are a number of lists. Of yeah. It's UB funny. Five. I remember all these things, but I, from I'm like, that sounds familiar from elementary school. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll link all these websites in my show notes too. Okay. This is might be the hardest question. I want to hear your three favorite children's books. All-time three favorites. This has kept me up at night, Ivy, since you asked me this. 
Uh, I did give them a little prep for this question, but (laughs) that's really hard. I can think of authors. We can do that. I can do that. What are authors? Uh, Let me think about that. I'll I'll take it for a minute while you're thinking, Grace. Well, like I said, this is a hard question because there's so many. Um, But the one that always makes my list, no matter what list we're talking about, is Anne of Green Gables by oh, L.M. Montgomery. Uh-huh. And the reason is, to me, it's a book about using your imagination. It's a book about friendship. Mm-hmm. It's a book about what makes a family. It's a book about getting into trouble and getting yeah. out of trouble. It's about so many things. And it was given to me by my aunt when I was 11 years old. I loved it. I've read it. I can't even tell you how many times. It's become a family tradition. I've given it to my nieces and to my daughter and to my granddaughters when they turn 11. Yeah. And a few years ago, Brad and I drove all the way from Dallas, Texas to Prince Edward Island so that I could have the Anne of Green Gables experience. (laughs) It was the best (laughs) vacation of my life. So that's one. And then thinking, I love picture books so much, and I believe that picture books are written for all ages. Mm -hmm. I think you never outgrow a picture book. Um, And I would say the ones that speak to me most recently are the Patricia Polacco books. I love her artwork, and I love her heart Uh and what she puts into her books. And most of them are based on a personal experience, and then she expands it into a fiction story. But I think one of my favorites of hers is Chicken Sunday. I just Mm -hmm. love that book. Such a good one. And then when you come down to number three, (laughs) oh, my goodness, so many. Um, But I really love the rhythm and the language of Chick Chick Boom Boom. Uh Oh, Uh yes. Will there be enough room? I mean, it's just such a fun book Uh to read. And I think the the language in it is just so um, engaging for children. So those are my three. Yeah. You know, that book, I remember somebody gave it to me when I was pregnant, I think. And I remember being like, well, what is this? I don't. Somewhere in adulthood, I think we lose, like, I was like, what? This is the weirdest book. I don't, I don't get this. Then I started reading it to my kids and they loved it and like could start memorizing it and say, I was like, Oh, this is a great book. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it can bring us back to kind of a childlike experience, you know? Right. Okay, I've come up with Okay, some. good. I'm going to start with picture books. Okay. Mo Willems and oh, yes. Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. Uh-huh. His first book. Because it's kind of a moral lesson of, you can't do this because you're not old enough, mm-hmm. yep. or you will be able to do this eventually. So I love his books and the Knuffle Bunny books that oh, he yes. does, which teach sharing at the end, mm-hmm. you know, if you go through all of them. It's a really cool book in the way they he illustrates, and I, it's a, I like those books a lot. Yeah, they show a lot of emotion mm-hmm. in his drawing, especially. Yeah. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia yes. are one of my favorite series of books. Mm-hmm. I, I love Patricia Polacco also. And I, another connection I have with her is that she's from a Russian background, which was my major, undergraduate major. Yes. And so I just love the idea of her introducing that, that culture yeah. into her books. That, yeah. And she's Jewish. 
So Very that's cool. another another thing she brings into her stories, a different religious aspect. Uh-huh. So it's both of them are. I think my favorite is the or the trees of something. At the dancing goats. The dancing yeah, goats. The dancing yes. goats. That's a really good book. That's great. All right. Any last minute words of librarian wisdom? Keep reading. You never <laughs> outgrow it. That is true. Just keep going. Oh. My parents read a lot to us. I can remember certain books my dad read with accents and funny inserts. And my mom loved reading. She and I would sit on the stairs and read together most mornings when I was little before heading to school. I received books for birthdays and Christmas. I have distinct memories of going to the Richardson Public Library. And my mom, you guys, started an after-school reading club for the girls in my grade. And that may sound kind of weird, but you can ask any one of the members, and they still remember it and thought it was awesome. When my mom passed away in 2008, one of the things that struck me the hardest was that I would never hear her voice again. For the sound of her voice meant so much to me. Then, when Warren was about three and Harris was a baby, I was reading a book to my boys called Are You My Mother? And the strangest thing happened. As I was reading it, I could hear my mom's voice reading it to me, like she was sitting there reading it. I sort of choked up, and then I pulled myself together enough to finish the rest of the book. And then a little later, I was listening to my dad read one of the stories that he read to me as a child, reading it to my boys. And I started crying. It wasn't even a sad story. But the sound of my dad reading took me back to my childhood memories of cozying up next to him and him reading to me. And I'm thankful I had parents that read to me. For no matter how old I get, I will have reminders of what their voices sound like. I will have reminders of that feeling of being next to them and that feeling of being loved by them. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.